Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. I'm excited to have you along with us this afternoon. And if you listen regularly, you'll recognize that my voice isn't quite the same as normal. I'm battling a little cold here. So uh, that's just part of um, spring in northern Minnesota, and that's just how it is. But happy to spend the afternoon with you and our wonderful guest today, Joy Anissa. Our topic today is Identity Crisis. Moving from crisis to credibility. And I want to be clear right here at the beginning of the program that this is not about identity theft. And we've had some inquiries about that, but this is about identity crisis. Times when something has changed dramatically in your life, in uh, how you define yourself, in who you are, and you need to move past that from crisis to credibility. And our guest today, Joyneese, is a great one to talk with us about that. During this next hour, She's going to be helping you to discover the surprising spiritual position that can change everything during times of crisis, how to identify who's safe and those who cannot be trusted when your soul's in crisis, how to know the difference between intentionally silent, um, often a wise thing, or hiding your pain, what to do when life seems to move too fast for you to find time to be still to process your situation with God, how to learn to trust the one who made you emotional when you can't trust your own emotions, how to understand how to journey in peace through the frequent occurrence of being judged by others, what to do when others don't agree with the process or become impatient with your progress, and how to uncover and embrace the purpose in the pain. Our guest today, Joanisa, lives with her family in the breathtaking mountains of western North Carolina. She brings a message of freedom and peace to women through her speaking and writing. And her website is joyanisa.com. Her last name is spelled A-N-I-S-A, joyanisa.com. I welcome you, Joy. Oh, thanks, Marty. We're really, I'm so excited to be a part of this with you. Well, we've been looking forward to this for a while, and this is a great topic. And, you know, an identity crisis is not something any of us plan for. <laughs> no. It's something, that, <laughs> it's something that kind of happens, and then you go looking for help. Um, at that point, and so I have a feeling that this particular training, those of you who are here today are either find yourself in that situation or are walking with somebody through it, and uh, I just want you to know that we extend our love to you in this difficult time, and I'm so excited, Joy, that you can be here to share some real practical help for people who are going through this or walking somebody through it. So what are kind of some situations that lead to an identity crisis, Joy? Oh, there's so many, um, anything from, obviously, physical illness that's unexpected, death, obviously, death of a loved one, um, divorce, um, drug addiction, or if you're the family member of an addict. Um, I have a counseling background. Um, that's what my degree is in and my training is in. And um, it, it can be something as a loss of a job. Um, financial hardship. I mean, crisis can come wrapped in so many different ways, um, and we're not exempt from it at all. Um, it can hit us at any time of life. Um, some we can be a little prepared for. Some crisis 
kind of gives us a heads up it could be coming, but then other things you feel blindsided by it and you never saw it coming. So from the expected to the unexpected, we all face crisis at some point in our life. I think about the expected. A lot of people, when especially moms who have been full-time or maybe homeschooling their whole life and they hit the empty nest and they really are confused about, you know, what yeah. for me now? I've done this for, you know, 30 years or whatever. I don't know who I am or what I'm supposed to do without this. And then, of course, the surprising ones to um, accidents and uh, disabilities and things that come. So let's talk first about the spiritual position that can really help no matter what the cause of the crisis is. What's a spiritual position that can make all the difference? Oh, there's so many. But, you know, I think if we have a um, a foundation realizing that, you know, God allows this pain for whatever reason, but God allows it. and But the purpose of that pain throws us into the path of his glory so that we can experience his sovereignty and his love as an unlimited grace. But I also go back to something that I've, I also learned out of experiencing my own crisis, but in Romans eight twenty in Romans eight twenty eight, I think what is so key in this that I found was a surprising spiritual position that can change everything was one you feel so empty. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a crisis, you feel so inadequate, um, and if we give into that emptiness in the wrong way we can respond in very unhealthy ways. However, I think there's a blessing in that emptiness because when we're empty, then we're ready to be completely filled with his strength, the Lord's um, power and his grace. And I think we see that so often, um, and I've I've done this myself, um, when walking with someone through a crisis is using Romans 8.28. And... We say these, we'll say this first, you know, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called, called according to its purpose. But then I keyed in on this word purpose. And this mm-hmm. is what was so surprising to me is that word purpose actually is the same word as showbread that's used in the Old Testament when you read when um, the Lord gave uh, Moses the blueprints for the tabernacle, but in there was the showbread table that was in the Holy of Holies that sat before the mercy seat. And on that showbread table, um, once a week, they would change out and put fresh loaves of showbread. And that showbread was always to be in the presence of the Lord. Now let's go back to Romans 8.28. If the purpose is the showbread, then what Hopefully, the all things, whatever it is the Lord's brought into my life and whatever he's allowed, the purpose of that is to drive me into his presence. And the best thing that I learned and that I've learned walking with other people is when we take our emptiness into the presence of the Lord, something amazing happens. And so it's okay to feel that emptiness as long as we take it into his presence and allow him to then fill us with what we're going to need for the journey ahead. And that's what he promises he will do. And then he mm-hmm. does, works it all together for his good. I love that. And I, I know for me, I've found so much hope and comfort in verse 29 there, Romans eight twenty nine, where it says that the purpose of all of this is to conform us to the image of Christ. And yes. it's like, right. Um, 
it even, you know, I I think there's a couple things that, you know, pop to the surface of my thinking as we're listening. First of all, a lot of times a crisis that comes into our life is for us. It's for us to grow closer with God, and God uses that in all situations, whether it's a crisis or a good thing. Um, it's also possibly for the benefit of someone else. And so just don't always assume it's because you did something wrong or um, because you needed uh, to grow closer to God, which is always true of us. We always need to. But um, but sometimes life just comes, and, and it, it comes this way. And then there's these wonderful benefits that come come out of it if we will come yield to Christ. And I have a feeling that during this hour we're going to come back to this word emptiness a lot um, because in a crisis that's kind of how you do feel, isn't it? You you feel like what used to fill this space in my mind, in my life, in my personality, whatever, is gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we're going to come back and kind of keep keep coming back to this part, the foundational part, as we go through the hour. But let's talk about now, um, when you're in a crisis, how would you identify who's a safe person to trust your soul to in that situation and who might not be so safe? How, do, how can you figure that out before, before that, they hurt you? <laughs> uh, that's a loaded question. Um, and, of course, um, there's obviously there's no magic formula to figure that out. I wish there was. Um but there isn't. But I do think that, if you will, um, kind of be able to at least look to look at characteristics of safe people. And one main characteristic of a safe person is the person that will help you take steps toward restoration and wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that doesn't get intimidated by the mess so much, because when you're in a crisis, life can be very messy, <laughs> very, very messy. And someone that doesn't necessarily need to know all the nitty-gritty details or anything like that, but someone that's going to come in and really care for your soul through prayer, through ministering to you, encouragement, sometimes just a listening ear and knowing that they don't actually have to verbally respond, you know, but that they're taking your concerns and your needs to the Lord. Someone that's a confidant that you know that, they will respect your privacy. I think that's huge when someone's going through a, cr- yeah. a crisis. Is privacy is huge, and um, someone that will respect that privacy. But the characteristics of someone that is unsafe, um, they're concerned with the details and not necessarily the person or the people involved. And a lot of times they want to protect an image. They don't really mm. want to take care of the person. And so with that being said, um, I've just recently, even just in every day, kind of more practically gotten really an idea of what this could look like. Um, I recently, two months ago, had surgery on my ankle. I've started going through physical therapy. And, you know, I entrust myself to that therapist because she understands what needs to be done for me to have complete restoration. And the process of that sometimes is painful, but she respects where I am in it. So if I say, okay, I can't I can't continue that motion, I'm hurting, she backs off. She doesn't mm. force it. She doesn't force me. She doesn't. So when you're in a crisis emotionally, you're it really is someone's heart and soul that you are saying, I'm going to walk alongside and to the best of my ability, I'm going to care for you, not to enable poor choices, not to enable um, 
poor attitudes necessarily, but someone that can gently push when needs to be you need to be pushed, but someone that will respect your responses in it as well. Mm, beautiful. Well, that's such a good analogy there. And uh, another thing that I thought came to my mind too was um, a safe person won't take on your hurt. Um, they will walk beside you, but they won't internalize your hurt. And it's pretty um, it's a pretty big difference. There's there's people that will take on your secondhand hurt and be angry at the people that, you know, maybe were involved in causing this in your life. Or um, And the, the problem is that that's never honored by God. When we take on someone else's hurt, that does not have the grace and blessing of God. God gives the person grace for their situation, but not the outsider grace um, for that same level of hurt. And so it's important to find somebody who can distinguish between you and themselves and not take on uh, your pain. Joy, can you say that in a different way? Um, Well, I think just going off of what you just said, it really would be knowing how to um, identify the difference between an enabler versus an encourager. You know, you you don't want someone to enable but you do want somebody to be able to encourage you, speak the truth to you lovingly. Um, yeah, and, and definitely be their own person, um, but yet be able to encourage you appropriately. Right. The other word that comes to my mind then when you said enabler is codependent, where the person yes. actually gets in bed with the problem with you. <laughs> and really you guys just have something that's inappropriate there going on, not not uh, sexually, but just in, in your thinking and it's really it really makes such a mess um, when God really wants us to come along next to someone who's hurting and help them. It doesn't help for us to own their hurt. It just helps for us to love them and walk with them and keep running everything to Jesus and um, be next to them instead of in it with them, even though we're beside them in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I is that getting really clear, you guys, you listeners? Is that clear? Enjoy. Is there anything else we need to say about that? No, I just, I think a lot, and I I will say this, um, I think it's important that you respect your own privacy as well. Mm. You don't have to tell everyone everything. You don't Mm. necessarily have to explain everything to everyone. You need to prayerfully seek out just a few people, you know, three to five individuals that are willing to walk through whatever it is you're walking through in an intimate way um, where you can be completely transparent, you can be um, open and honest, obviously authentic with them, um, and you just need to keep it to those few people. I think sometimes we live in an age, everybody puts everything out there, you know, (laughs) and that is not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It's not. It doesn't help in the situation, and right. I think that's a key. Is you need to respect your own privacy as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, just to feel like you have permission to set boundaries around that, and just because somebody asks doesn't mean you have to tell. Love that. Well, this is Marnie Swerberger visiting today with Joyanisa of Joyanisa dot com, and we're going to come back and talk about how to know the difference between being intentionally silent, setting those boundaries, and just hiding your pain. We'll be right back. 
WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit WomenSpeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Devere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg, and as we mentioned earlier, um, going with God through any crisis is, of course, the best way to go through it. And uh, there's lots of great Bible study books available to you over at BibleStudyExpo.com. Today we're visiting with Joy Anissa of JoyAnissa.com, talking about identity crisis, moving from crisis to credibility. Joy, let's spend the next few minutes talking about um, how to tell the difference in yourself or in someone that you're um, going along with through a crisis um, when it moves from being, you know, this is my boundary, I'm going to go this far and no farther, to just hiding, to just uh, wanting to just bury it, not not deal with it anymore. How, what are some signs of that happening? Well, you know, hiding um, is always motivated by shame. Um, and I, we see that right off in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid um, because of shame. So that's the motivation between hiding. When there's silence, a lot of times silence can have a very positive purpose, and sometimes it's for the purpose of processing. It's for the purpose of just working things out mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just kind of processing it through, taking your time, not being hasty, um, you know, not getting a, not getting ahead of yourself. But also another thing to realize is that the purpose, I guess we should say, the purpose behind the silence should always be to emerge out of that silence and not be in deni- denial, but be able to name what the crisis is. I think Nehemiah in the Old Testament gave us a wonderful example of this. Once he got to Jerusalem with the king's permission and the king's aid, he arrived and he told no one why he was there. And then at night he went and surveyed the damage. And he remained mm-hmm. silent and mm-hmm. he went and then he was able to put a name to it, which if you read in Nehemiah, he says reproach and distress. That was the name he gave it once he took it all in. And when we're able to name it, it gives us not only purpose, but it also gives a sense of hope that, you know what, I can do something about this. I can have a plan. I can have a purpose. I can take away what needs to be taken away. I can rebuild. I can whatever it is. And, and then you can begin to figure out, well, what, what is the plan that I need to make? Um 
for wholeness and restoration. And so I think there's key things when you, if you're walking with someone that's going through a crisis, don't necessarily think silence is always negative. Just encourage them in their time when they're trying to process what it is that they're trying to wrap their mind around. What is the name that they need to give it? Um, you know, so often we're afraid to name something because in naming it, then it just becomes real. And so we'll try to avoid things or, you know, whatever. And so I think in that is as they're being silent, as they're processing, to pray that they will have the courage to just face it head on, as we saw what Nehemiah did. And I think it's a beautiful example that the Lord gave us in Scripture that silence is okay, but emerge, name it, and then be able to work out a process from there. Mm. I remember years ago, and this wasn't a maybe an identity crisis, but there was something that was bothering me for a long time, for several months. And I remember the moment when I understood that what it was was self-pity. And just by seeing it, just by understanding what it was that was causing me so much emotional trauma, spiritual trauma, I was able to just release that to God and move forward. And honestly, since that day, I don't ever touch my toe near self-pity now because (laughs) I was in so much pain with it for so long before I understood it. And, you know, sometimes this process of unearthing what it really is that is the problem, what what it is that you want to name this thing. Sometimes that can take a little time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next thing you want to address is what if it's too busy, like there's no time in your life to just be silent, to figure this out. There's just, like, no time. Well, I think, first of all, um, for what I had to learn in my own personal circumstances with my own crisis was I had to kind of redefine my own expectation of time. Um, Mm. We do live in a busy world, but I think, at least for me, I can only speak for me, but for me, time meant where no one would bother me, where I didn't have to be, you know, running kids to ball practice and cooking a meal and cleaning a house and going to work and, you know, all these different things that life demands. And I had to redefine what my time looked like. And so what I discovered was... I may physically be active in doing something, but my soul could be at rest. And so what I found, it could be something as the moment I was in the car by myself, turned off the radio, turned everything on. Sometimes I would just put on praise music, but I would use that time to pray. If I was vacuuming, (laughs) nobody bothers you when you're vacuuming, you know, to take those little moments here and there to seek the Lord, to say, okay, Lord, you know, I need wisdom in this or discernment in this. Help me process this, whatever it was. But I think so often our definition of time sometimes always isn't realistic. At least it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to redefine what my time looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that when when it is our heart to get along with God for purposes of commun- communion with him and just, you know, just seek his face. It's amazing how he can show us time. He's even, for me, redeemed time so that I would invest time in something. And then he'll show me a different spot where I didn't expect to have time and all of a sudden had time. And when you're looking for it, it's just amazing how it can show up. 
Whereas mm-hmm. when you're just as sure, when you are sure that there's no time to do this, guess what? There's no time to do it. Uh, you know, it, it's partly faith and partly just being available in the moments that you have. I, I love how you talk about just using even times when your body is busy but your soul can be still. You know, I, I, I've just come to, I really value those times. Those are huge for me. I, I know one of my favorite things is folding socks, which is funny, but folding socks just always feels to me like a really normal thing to do. Like, this is this is normal. This is what I always used to kind of do with laundry for a lot of people and stuff like that. And now to me, doing something, a simple task like that is just time with Jesus and it's doing something normal that's comforting to me that doesn't take my brain um, or my heart. I just can do it and talk with God while I'm doing it and other, other chores that are like that too. When um, when I when I need to process something through, though, I, I find that actually sitting down with my Bible and my journal, that really is the best way for me to actually make progress. Um, I can make small progress um, fitting it in, but it seems to me like when I've made major breakthroughs, it's because I've been able to find some time and I just, I work with a lot of busy people, and especially during times of crisis, that's really tough to find those moments when you can sit quietly with Jesus, and you just have to trust for them and be patient until they appear. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> and I'm like you. I mean, I look back, and I mean, I can open up to certain areas of my journal, and that's that's a beautiful thing of journaling is because mm-hmm. you can see like literally see the fingerprints of God on something because right. you've written right. it down. And yeah. I look back at times and you're right, when you're in when you're in the word and times where I have you know, there's been times where maybe I gave up an hour of sleep because the house exactly. was quiet mm-hmm. in that time. So I think like I said, I think our expectation of time has to change. And sometimes to have the time that we are craving means we have to sacrifice something. Um, We don't, you know, and so for me it would put the kids to bed and that would be my quiet. Um, And I could have my time in the Word, journaling, you know, kind of thing. But you know what? It's so right. The Lord does redeem our time. And I, I can look back on situations where He gave me greater rest sometimes in those times when I stayed up later or I got up earlier to spend time with Him and, gave up an hour of sleep or whatever. And it's just interesting how the Lord, he does provide. He provides mm-hmm. even for our physical needs and, and things like that. But then there were other times I had to get really creative with my time with him. Um, and so I just, and, and then when I took those few minutes here and there, and it could be a few minutes all throughout the day, and over time it may add up to an hour worth mm-hmm. of time, you know, but I just had to entrust that he's going to take those moments and he's the one that's going to just explode those moments with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I disagree that so many times when it is your heart to do it, when this is what you know you need and you want it, um, God will provide it. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for him to provide that, I just encourage you to trust him. We're actually going to take a break and come back and talk about that because sometimes it's hard to trust God because he gives us these emotions that seem to just be like runaway trains. And and then then he wants us to trust him with the rest of our lives. We're like, well, why did you give us the emotions? We're going to come right back and talk about that after break. What's your next step? 
Are you tired of scouring the internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. Our guest today is Joyanisa of joyanisa.com. Go over and check out that website there. She's a speaker and a um, wonderful gal who's just doing God's work in the area of counseling with people who are in crisis, and she's here sharing with us identity crisis, moving from crisis to credibility. Joy, before break, we were talking about trying to find time for God, but for the next few minutes, talking about why we should trust this God, and um, I, I liken it to getting on a roller coaster ride. If you were to be asked, okay, hop on this roller coaster ride, um, you're not going to have a seatbelt. You're not going to have any restraints. It's going to flip you upside down and throw you all around, and most likely you're going to fly out and die. Um, would you get on the ride, Joy? No way. <laughs> no way. No way. But no way. If, you know, if you know that it's going to turn you upside down and flip you around and, and drop you off the top of cliffs and do all this stuff, that you're going to be fine. Now are you going to get on the ride? As long as I had a good seatbelt. Right, exactly. We have to we have to believe deep down that we're safe. Otherwise, we really can't trust ourselves to anything or anyone. And when it comes to God, um, there are things that He created in our lives, including our emotions, that make us kind of wonder about His sanity. Like, why would He make PMS? You know, why would He allow PMS? And why would he allow, you know, all these different kinds of things and these strong, strong emotions that come and just overwhelm us and then say, you know, trust me and stay calm and be at peace and all this. So why don't we talk about that for a couple of minutes? Because I, I've come to fully trust God and to know that he is the safest place for me to be and that he's the safest place for you to be. But if you haven't ever really thought through why sometimes you aren't trusting God, um, it can it can really mess you up when you're trying to trust it and you don't know what the problem is. So, Joy, for you, what would you say is the main reason why you trust God? Well, I have a million answers to that question. I say there's so many. <laughs> that probably, and if, in, in the end, would probably overlap all of them, really. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it just comes to his truth that I can... I can completely trust that he is truth, that he He alone will keep what I've committed to him, that he is the safekeeper of my soul. Um, along the same analogy of the roller coaster, um, about, I guess, two, two years ago, um, 
I went with some friends and we went cliff jumping and I had never done this before. Mm. And I don't I don't necessarily have a issue with heights per se, but I had never, you know, stood at the edge of a cliff and then just literally hurled myself off of it. And uh, you know, and so um it was about I guess about a 30 foot cliff and all we had were life jackets. That was it. And um there were several of us that went and some had done it before, so they were just running off of it and just being crazy and jumping. And I sat at the top of that cliff and just watched several of them go off of it. And yeah. finally I thought, you know, there's only one way back to the dock, and I've got to jump off this <laughs> to get on the jet ski. There's only one way. And so um, I just jumped. But when I look back at that, um, I've used that analogy several times, and I've told people, I said, you know, there wasn't one thing I could hold on to. I couldn't grab, grasp, cling to anything. The mm. only thing that I could trust was what was holding me, which was that life jacket. The life jacket mm. had me. I didn't have it. So when I hit the water, did I sink? Yes, I did. But the life jacket propelled me, you know, to the top, obviously, and gave me what I needed to get to the top in a timely manner, obviously. And then I just floated and just rested. But I think so often a crisis can be like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Just get hurled off this cliff. And you do, you feel out of control, you know. And I I tell people, that was the longest five-second drop of my life, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I mean, they said, just count to five and you're going to hit the water, you know. But yeah. that was a long five seconds because you're just in this free fall. And so often that's how you feel emotionally. Yeah. You're just completely in a free fall. And you can't grasp onto anything. And so at the end of the day and in those moments, you just have to literally just take that deep breath and say, you know what? He is the safekeeper of my soul. He has me. And when when I lose grip, I can grip on to whatever, whether it's hope or, you know, everything I know about the Lord. But it, but I'm human, and my grip will get weary, and I'll feel weak, and I'll get shaky. But in the end, he's gripping me way tighter than I can ever grip him. And so if, for me, it's the truth of that. It is the truth that he will not forsake me. He promises me that. He will not forsake me. He will not abandon me. Um, I love in Genesis 16 when Hagar ran into the wilderness and then the angel of the Lord visited her and she named that place El Royhi, which means the God who sees me. I'm not invisible to the Lord. He sees Mm. me. Um, He's going to provide for me in every way possible but i have to at the end of the day i have to trust the truth of that and it's the truth that keeps me so it is i mean so often it can be so difficult to trust our emotions and they're not trustworthy all the time they're not they can change from one hour to the end of the same hour <laughs> you know because you learn information you're you're, you're feeling you're processing we're humor we can be all over the map and i think we see that through psalms you read the psalms you just see all these emotions of the psalmist and you see so many different aspects though the lord met every emotion so he gave us those emotions 
but we have to entrust to him that he's going to control those emotions, he's going to hold those emotions, and we can entrust ourselves to him who created the emotions and not trust the emotions. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and I think it's really important not to trust emotions, that you right. always test emotions. Trust God and test your emotions. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the verse that bubbles up, of course, is um, Jesus is the truth and the truth will set you free. And what I believe is that if you are unsure in your faith that God has got you, that he loves you. And in the book, uh, Sacred Romance, um, John Eldridge wrote that the number one lie that Satan foists upon Christians is that God is not as good as he says he is. He's just not as good as he says he is. And if you believe that number one lie, then what happens is that you're always scared. You're always afraid because you know, what? what's God going to do next, you know, and that, that kind of thing, instead of being curious and anticipatory what God's going to do next. It's such a different place to live when you don't trust someone versus when you do trust them. And uh, it's, it's just we are. We are built. Uh, Twilight Paris has a cool song called Hold On. It says every little baby comes in this world grasping for something, fingers tightly curled, you know, and how we just go through our whole lives trying to find something that will help us with our control issue. And I always say we are hopelessly addicted to the delusion that we are in control of anything. And when that control delusion and addiction gets um, gets tested, we have a tough time because we're really not trusting God most of the time. We're really trusting our own our own control, and, and God shows us that through crisis a lot. Joy, when you think about um, when you think about ways to trust God more, obviously living through crisis is one of them. Uh, watching how He provided for you, journaling—we've mentioned that. Is anything else bubble right to the surface? Um, I would also, you know, I know we went, we were talking about safe people earlier, but stay mm-hmm. in reasonable, continuous contact with those safe people. Um, you know, you need people to invest in you. You need people to speak into your life. Um, you need that. And so you can't do this alone. Um, we weren't mm. meant to be alone in life. And so to allow yourself to be vulnerable also um, and allow people to you're going to ha- you need people in the safe the safe people they also need to be people that can be objective in your situation which we kind of alluded to that earlier and allow uh, you know just listen to when they are speaking very objectively into your situation you don't have to be defensive and and the, the journaling and the prayer time and time in the word nothing trumps that you know um and so put yourself in a place where you can allow for that and have time for that most definitely yeah i also encourage you to just ask god to help you with some quotes or catchphrases little um things that will just be things that you'll say over and over and over again i always have my latest one i always have up everywhere so right now everywhere around you'll find mine says wonders never cease and god just put that in my heart and i just put it all over the place and as soon as i get that to the point where that is my subconscious response to no matter what's happening to me, that I just look up, smile, and go, wonders never cease. You know, that God has got me no matter what's going on. And then they'll come down and they'll give me another one. 
And when you're going through a crisis, just asking for a special verse or a phrase yes. even, or even just two words that you can just repeat, repeat, repeat um, over and over. And he gives so much comfort in that because those are things that don't take a lot of mental ability, um, not a lot of mental focus, but they just become our heart during times of trauma. Yes. So I, um, sometimes we get in a situation where our crisis cause other people to um, maybe back away from us or be ashamed maybe or disprove of us. Sometimes that has nothing to do with our own actions. Sometimes it does. Uh, it's just the situation itself. Uh, when someone experiences negative input from people around them in a crisis like this, what should they do? Oh, that's probably some of the most painful times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're you're already hurting <laughs> due to circumstances, and then when that hurt even becomes more personal because people, like you said, they judge or and they say things and maybe hurtful things, or they back away and you feel alone or you feel a sense of abandonment or it confuses you of why they've suddenly backed off. And some people, they don't handle... They don't handle observing, watching, walking through a crisis with someone. They don't handle it very well. It makes them uncomfortable, so they back away. So first of all, that's when you show grace upon grace, you know, and mm-hmm. to that to that individual. But secondly, to realize that you want to walk through that particular part of a crisis always with integrity at the core of who you are. I love um, Job 31.6. Job said, May I be weighed on honest scales that my integrity be before the Lord. And our integrity is before the Lord. doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we will do everything flawlessly. But what it does mean is that we can walk above reproach. And so... If you go into um, and you look at the the city of Jerusalem and it had all these different gates, the one thing the Lord showed me again back in the book of Nehemiah was there was a misgad. It was called the misgad gate, and it was it, that means the appointed place. And this gate had multiple purposes, but the main part of it it was always there um, to check everything out. It was a place of "Quote unquote judgment for a you know for loose uh, using that word loosely, however, but it might be where men would go to sign up for military. Um, it could be where animals came through that were being inspected if they could go to the temple or not. So it was a place of inspection. None of us are exempt in life that we won't walk through that gate where we're being inspected, and when you're in a crisis." you're probably at a more vulnerable time of life to be inspected because people want to try to figure out, well, why are you having this crisis? You know, did you do something wrong? Not always. Um, Did you bring this on yourself? Not always, you know. Um, So allow for that process. Don't run from that process. Allow for it and trusting in the Lord that, again, it's for his purpose, for him to have that glory through you. We love that. 
I think a lot about the phrase that hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I always say that when you're going through a crisis, whether a physical crisis or emotional or relational, financial, whatever, um, some of the natural defenses that you have are stripped away. And it leaves you more vulnerable to be hurt by others and to hurt back or, or even to lash out at others that are close to you. When you are being hurt by someone else, when you are already weak, that is that is one of the most um, vulnerable places to be. And it's really a beautiful place to remember that you are still in the hands of God. And it will be your faith and trust in God that will carry you through that because he wants to actually flow his own grace through us. We don't have to manufacture a polite response to someone who is hurting us. That's not our job. Our job is to step back and let God flow his response through us to that person. And we'll be able to, you know, take a test on that pretty easily to see, you know, is this me responding out of my depleted resources or is this God flowing his ever bountiful resources through me even during this difficult time. And that's really what to focus on. Instead of focusing on the other person's um, infliction of pain on you, focus on how how it is with me. And that's what I always say that to God when I go to bed at night. How is, with, how is, how is it with us tonight? You know, how was it with us today? Um, and he just points out areas where I was trying to do it in my own strength. And that was never what he meant. He meant for us to really fully depend on him for everything, including love, positive responses, hope, all of those things. He wants to flow through us instead of have us try harder to manufacture them ourselves. And when you're hurting, um, it's just pretty much impossible to really have what you need for everybody who's around you. A lot of times, especially in situations like the loss of a loved one or situations um, where there's children and it's a divorce or something, these are tough times when other people are really sucking a lot out of your life and you have nothing to give. So if we just remember that God never runs dry, he has plenty to give. And you just keep on going back to God for that. There is enough. There is more than enough. Do you have a final comment on that thought? Well, I do. And, and again, I mean, you, you've said it so well. Of just, It really goes back to focusing on the Lord. You know, and that I don't have all the answers, but I'm not expected to have all the answers, but I know the one who is the answer. And mm-hmm. to focus on him and then to allow for that, um, for his grace to flow through me, for his love and forgiveness. That's the other thing, is that when we're in a position of hurt and pain, and like you said, we're so vulnerable, and someone is saying or doing things that are hurting, and we're being misunderstood. Sometimes that's what it is, or, you know, whatever, but to realize that I've also got to stay in a place where I can forgive so that I don't become bitter and resentful and all of those things. So, again, it goes back to that my integrity be before the Lord. Right, and right. It always so, comes back to that. Always. It always comes back to Him because if He's pouring in me and He's filling me up, once I begin to overflow, all those around me, they get the, they'll get the leftovers of that. They get the benefits of that. They get the overflow of God filling me and me being completely open to him pouring into me and then just let him, you know, spill out of me onto other people. 
which is a whole lot different than when we're trying to do it all ourselves and we yeah. hit the bottom and people get the crusty yuck at the bottom of the That's right. <laughs> that is <laughs> we're so true. Come right back. We're going to come right back and talk about what to do when others um, become impatient with your process in the healing process or when they maybe become um, insistent that you change a different way. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Marty Fleber visiting today with Joy Anissa of joyanissa.com. We're going to conclude the program here with two topics. First of all, what to do when others become impatient with your progress, because that tends to happen. And, of course, it isn't, um, it isn't always God becoming impatient with you. It's that they want to get on with their life, and they have never experienced what you've just gone through. And even if they had experienced something similar, they have never been you going through it. And so let's go ahead and talk about that first, Joy. What do you do when someone who's been very close to you and actually very helpful now becomes impatient? Oh, well, that can be discouraging in the moment because we have the tendency to take that personal. If I could say anything, it would be to encourage you. It not It's not necessarily personal to you. It, they get weary also. Maybe they just feel they're out of answers. Um, maybe they're just tired, you know. So there could be a whole host of reasons that they now are having some of the reactions that they're having. But what I would encourage is that don't allow their impatience to distract you from what you're needing to do for restoration purposes. Um, Unfortunately, when it comes to healing of the soul and healing of the heart, I don't know that you can put a time limit on that because everyone's different. I loved how you said it. They may have gone through something similar, but they weren't you going through it. We are our own person. The Lord's created us uniquely with our own personalities, our own hang-ups, our own triggers, our own, you know, set of everything. And so there's no one, you know, um, 
there's there's no one book. There's no one list of how-tos for everybody. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, absolutely. I think about what Hezekiah did when the enemy actually sent the letter in and said, you know, you're doing this all wrong, you've got your faith your faith in the wrong place and he just he just knelt down and laid the letter out and talked to God about it. And that's actually what I do when when I've got a real different perspective of something than someone who's close to me, who even loves me, um, I just lay it out before God and I just say, You need to talk to me about this from your perspective. And that phrase right there is one of my favorite phrases. Please talk to me about this from your perspective. And it's amazing how, you know, you think about a dark room, a pitch black room, and all it takes is for somebody to flick the light switch and boom, it's full of light. And that's kind of how we can get when we're not sure, you know, if it's us being slow or or, uh, maybe defiant or um, depressed or whatever, or if it's the other person is just running out of steam for the process. When you don't know, take it to Jesus and let him bring light to it. I I just love it. And it's back to the concept of truth, which we spent time on earlier. He is the truth, and that's really why we can trust him. That's why why he's the ideal one to take us through any circumstance and any crisis. I love that. Um, When when we're talking about this, sometimes we want to know the why. You know, why did this have to happen? And and I'm a big proponent of why questions. In fact, in my in my um, book that's coming out shortly here, Float Your Vessel, there's a whole section on the value of why questions, and God loves us to ask why questions. He is not opposed to that at all. But there are times when we won't know why here on earth, and the why question can drive us crazy. So maybe just address that a little bit here, Joy. Well, and I'm, I have that same tendency as you to pull a little bit away from the why. I, I agree there's, there's time and place for why questions. But a lot of times at some point you need to transition from the why to the what Um, and then the opportunity. I loved this quote um, that I heard a few years ago, and the quote was this, sometimes God chooses to dig the well of joy with a spade of sorrow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't get to always understand the why behind that, but I think clearly in James we're told the what, and it is our opportunity for joy. Now, sometimes we've got to look a lot harder, and sometimes we have to dig really deep before we discover what that opportunity is. But I truly believe that our faithfulness to the Lord to entrust our pain to Him, knowing that there's a purpose, I think along the way our whys, in his time and in his way, will be settled. Those questions will be settled. Doesn't I mean do they'll too. be completely answered, but they'll be settled. You know, and some some things we won't know this side of heaven. I mean, we just won't mm-hmm. know that we can work through things and we can come to a place where we're at peace. That we have seen God's work. We have seen something happen that if we hadn't walked this path, we wouldn't have gotten to see. But in trusting that. Joy is going to be the outcome. It will be the outcome if we entrust ourselves. And sometimes you just got to start digging. You know, you just, <laughs> you might not like the spade you were handed, but you can dig with that same spade. And you can take that and he's going to turn that into a well of joy that will just, I hope that you will discover a very contagious faith that infects everyone around you. 
I love it. And I, I one of the most comforting verses to me in the Bible is he that he that um sows with tears will reap in joy. Yeah. Um God is telling us that if you will sow your tears into him and run to him with all of your sadness and be grateful, not necessarily in the moment for what's going on, but for him, that he's with you in the moment, that he's got you, that it's okay. You know, it's kind of back to the roller coaster, you know, are you sure you're okay and are you sure you're having fun when your guts feel like they're going to, you know, explode or whatever? Maybe not in that moment, but a few moments later when you when you get off, you are. And I have this saying that I adopted a couple years ago, Joy, that I just love, that I want to be as grateful in this moment as I will be when I see Jesus face to face and I understand what he was doing right here, right now to protect me, provide for me, and draw me closer to his heart. And, you know, I just love to say that when I'm confused and when I'm lonely and when I've got a big empty space. I just want to be as grateful right now in this moment as I know I will be when I see you face to face because we are either going to go, oh, then, or we can go, ah, now, and just let him walk us through it. You know, it's our choice. But right now we also have the choice of being frustrated and bitter and upset and mad at him and, you know, miserable. And so that's our choice. Maybe in about a minute here, do you have just a thought to conclude this program here this afternoon? I think if I had to sum it up, I would want to encourage those that are listening that at the end, this is this is God's story of your mm-hmm. life. So often we like to think it's our story of what God is doing, but yet it really is God's story. It's God's story of our life. And when you get to tell God's story of what he's doing in your life, it really changes our perspective. Mm. I love that, and I've never heard of it. I, I'm not exactly that way. I love it. It's his story, not mine. I love that. That's great. Joy, this has been fantastic. You shared so much quality information here today. If somebody goes over to your website at joyanisa.com, that's J-O-Y-N-I-S-A.com, um, what are they going to find over there? They're going to find my blog. They're going to find um, where to go order my book, which is Identity Crisis, Moving from Crisis to Credibility. They're also going to see the launch of our new podcast that will be kicking off in 10 days. We're really excited about that. So there's a lot of information there that we're going to be having, and we are super, super excited, and where they can email me, schedule me to speak at their women's groups, a host of things, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it was so great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And thank you all for being here. So fun to have so many of you show up live. We had so many people in the in the queue before we started this afternoon that we had to kinda of go down a bunch of <laughs> tell people hi along the way before we found Joy on the line and uh so excited that you come and that you listen and that you share this with your friends, think of the archive or one of our affiliate um programs around the net or, or in local programs. Thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful day and we will see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>